Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. This WBEZ podcast is supported by the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Suicide is a topic that hides in the shadows. It's time we talk away the dark, learn how to spot the warning signs for suicide, and how you can have an open, caring, real conversation to help save lives. Visit the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention to watch the new short film and learn more at AFSP.org slash talkawaythedark. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. It's noon on Friday, so you know what that means. No, I don't mean duck out of work early. I mean that it's time for the weekly news recap. Fraternal Order of Police local president John Catanzara retired from CPD this morning. The incendiary leader of Chicago's main police union says he's running for mayor. We are at a precipice as far as this city is concerned. It's a tipping point. Michael Johnston owns Shubas and Lincoln Hall. He's facing a serious criminal case for allegedly taking an unauthorized video recording of his family's nanny and her friend. Jurors weighing murder and other charges against Kyle Rittenhouse will return this morning. We want the community to stay calm and peaceful. Whatever the verdict is going to be, we still want to remain peaceful out in the streets. Lots to get into, and I'm going to need some help. So my panel today is Chicago Sun-Times columnist and ABC7 political analyst, Laura Washington. Hey, Laura, happy Friday. Thanks. Great to be with you, as always. Also with us, WBEZ criminal justice reporter, Patrick Smith. Hey, Patrick. Hey, Sasha. All right, let's start with the story that everybody's talking about, the trial of 18-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse from Antioch. Now, we've just learned that the jury has reached a verdict in this case. Of course, no word yet on what that is. So let's work backwards a little bit here, Laura, while we wait for that information. You've been following the trial. Tell us your thoughts. Mm -hmm. Yes, well, I think that uh, it's not surprising that it's it's taken four days of deliberations. It's a very complicated case involving you know, multiple incidents and, and, and two deaths and another shooting. So it's, 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 it, it, I think it's to be expected, and I think this, the, the four days shows that the jury has been very deliberate, been very careful in going over all the evidence, and they've made several requests. It's, it, there seems to be, no matter what the verdict is, there may be uh, a cloud hanging over it because there have been um, two motions by the defense to, to call, calling for a mistrial because of they, they feel that they're... Uh, they were treated unfairly in terms of how some of the evidence was handled and how some of the questions was handled. But I think whatever the verdict is, I think we can be assured that the jury uh, was very thoughtful and careful. Jury deliberations took four days. Patrick, anything surprise you throughout these two and a half weeks? You know, I, I was surprised at how hard the judge was on the prosecution at certain times. That's not often what you see uh, in a courtroom. Um Often, not that judges and prosecutors are are always hand in hand, but but I don't think you often see a judge being as tough and on prosecutors as the judge was in this case. I'm not saying that that was right or wrong. That was one thing that surprised me. But I do think Laura is right. I think the fact that it's taken this long for the jury to to deliberate is not surprising. It actually makes sense considering how complex the case was. I mean, there are you know dozens of pages of jury instructions in this, and 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 I think Laura is right. You know, it doesn't mean people are going to agree with this. It doesn't mean that anybody has a an obligation to agree with it, but it, I think it's it's fair to assume 
that the jury really took their time and, 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 you know, gave this thoughtful consideration that this was not rushed. This wasn't something that was sort of predetermined by the jurors before they went into to deliberations. Well, as we wait to hear what this verdict is, I want to briefly look at some of the key moments from the trial. Uh, you know, there was Gage Grosskreutz, the, the lone survivor of the shooting in Kenosha, his testimony and how he said he feared for his life from uh, Rittenhouse, um, Kyle Rittenhouse himself taking the stand and the emotions on that day, uh, and Judge Bruce Schrader uh, dismissing that weapons possession charge. Laura, considering the cases that both the defense and the prosecution put forth here, tell us a bit more here uh, on what you're thinking. What, what do you think the jury is struggling with? Well, I think the jury is struggling with what was in the mind of, of Kyle Rittenhouse at the moment he fired those shots. Uh, I think it was very unusual and, and atypical for uh, him to take the stand. Uh, usually defense attorneys don't advise that. Uh, obviously, they felt and he felt that, they, that he was well prepared and would be a good spokesperson for his point of view. Uh, the the uh, emotion he showed on the, on the stand, I, I think that that could cut either way. Some people believe it was a show, uh, but even if it wasn't a show, it could be understood as being emotion you know, in terms of concern for himself, you know, he was fearful of what might happen to him in this trial and fearful of where he found himself as opposed to that he was afraid or frightened at the moment. It was reflecting on that. And I think the other interesting thing is that is this judge is, 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 is we've already discussed is that he's kind of an unusual judge and he's taken some unusual stands and positions. He is he, he has been as Patrick says he has been tough. On the prosecution, which might that might uh, set up some some uh, opportunities for an appeal, he allowed Kyle Wittenhouse to uh, maybe be the one to pick uh, which jurors would 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 serve on the officially serve on the on the jury, you know, pull the pull the numbers so to speak, which is something that apparently this judge does often, but it's just not the typical thing you see in a courtroom. And he allowed yesterday um, to allow the jurors to take home. The jury instructions that he had submitted to them at the beginning of the, of the deliberations, jury instructions that they had seen and had been able to review in the juror, juror's room during deliberations, he allowed them to take those home. And I think some experts are saying that that might be questionable because what did they do with those instructions when they took them home? Did they really obey the judge's po- policy of not speaking and not, not speaking to anyone else, not looking or uh, out for any other information, doing other research behind it, or did they use that? those instructions to, you know, to, 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 to augment their own deliberation. So right. we, won't, we won't know right now, but I, I think those are just some really interesting aspects that stand out for me in the case. Well, Patrick, last week, the Chicago Police Department canceled some days off as they were bracing for this verdict and possible protests in response. Is that typical? It has been t- typical under Superintendent David Brown. You know, this police department last summer really got caught unprepared with the protests and civil unrest around the police murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis. Since then, CPD has been really aggressive in in adding manpower and canceling days off and extending shifts when they think there's a chance for protests and unrest. I, I, you know, I, I'm not thinking of exact, exact examples, but there have been times over the last year where they've canceled days off because they thought there might be mass protests and there really wasn't wasn't much of anything. I mean, police have complained about burnout because this is happening so often where they're canceling days off uh, because they think something might happen. What else do you think that we could see on the ground here in Chicago after the verdict is read? 
That is a, a good question. Obviously, partially it will depend on what the verdict is. You know, we heard in the newscast that, that Wisconsin has its National Guard on standby. Here in Illinois, uh, Governor Pritzker said the state is prepared for any unrest, but they won't be calling in the National Guard. Um, I know people in and around Chicago are following this closely. I can't say, and I don't like to be in the prediction business, but I can't say that I'm expecting – I'm sure there will be some response. I'm not expecting massive action in the Chicago area around this verdict, but obviously I, I could be wrong. Well, Sasha, you know, I, 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 have, I would agree with, agree with that because I haven't seen any – usually when these uh, – these issues are brewing or there's a there's a verdict about to come in you'll see some organizing you'll see maybe some preliminary street protests you'll be hearing Mm -hmm. about people out in the street in the communities community organizations who are starting to to bring people together and i've seen no evidence of that and if you if you follow the reporting of what's going on in kenosha there are small groups of people on both sides of the issue gathering outside the courthouse every day there have been a couple little scuffles but nothing massive. Laura, and- I'm going to interrupt you here. We just got the verdict not guilty of reckless homicide in Joseph Rosenbaum's death. Wow. That's what we have so far. Yes. And, and, and I'm, I'm watching Rittenhouse's breaking down in tears and almost collapsed. Mm, wow. Not guilty. Wow. Well, that that absolutely shows again that they took this very seriously and and, and not guilty on not guilty on all charges. Wow. That's the update. Wow. wow. Your thoughts, Patrick? I, I, this is what I expected. Uh, I think the big question, you know, and and Laura, I, I want to defer to you. You've been covering this trial much more closely. You know, I've been kind of reading your reporting and, and others, following other people's reporting as well, and and watching the trial when possible. This is what I expected. Um, just because you know, it, it seemed like what was being set up is deciding what Rittenhouse did in the moments when he fired his gun versus all the decision making that that led up to him being at a uh, you know at civil unrest with an AR-15. Um, but but yeah, I, I'd I'd love to hear Laura's fo- thoughts on it because she was following this more closely than I was. Well, I'm not sure about that, but but I got I, I didn't get up to Kenosha, but I I think again. <laughs> Going back to his testimony, I think clearly that probably was a crucial moment. Uh, they clearly he showed that he had, at least from from the way he presented his his testimony, he was afraid that he felt he had no choice. Uh, if you looked at, I mean, there was a lot of conversation about the video, but there were also videos and show showing him being pursued, and there was there was plenty of evidence that showed that. You know, someone threw threw a skateboard at him. Someone had a gun who was coming after him. So to to a typical juror, that looks like someone who should should be in fear. And mm-hmm. the, the other interesting thing that didn't come up was the, 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 the is what we talked about earlier. The, the lowest charge was dismissed, the charge of him carrying a gun, and that sort of symbolizes the other argument that people who felt he should be convicted would make, which is that he shouldn't have been there in, in the first place, and that he provoked this. But clearly, those arguments didn't sway with the jury. What about that moment when they were uh, asking for uh, to, to view the video once again to see if he had been provoking uh, the incident? Some right, folks... and of course, that video was very controversial because yeah. uh, because because the uh, prosecution is because the defense is saying that they did not they were they were not given the the clearest most uh, most because uh, clearest example of the video uh, before the jury began deliberations. But that, that, that video obviously was very, it was a big focus of the jury. That Gage Grosskreutz moment, is that kind of where this all turned around? What do you mean? I, fe- I, feel, I feel like, well, you know, we had the lone survivor on the stand, mm-hmm. and um, I, I, 
there wasn't much hope after he spoke. It just felt like he sort of handed the defense the case. Right, all that talk right. about him having a gun, you know, all those things coming up much later. Uh, it just it felt like even if you thought that there was a glimmer of hope of, you know, Rittenhouse uh, being found guilty, that just sort of helped the case instead of. Sure. Yeah, sure. I, I think that was a, that was a major, major turning point. Again, you know, witnesses can can work for either, for the defense or for the prosecution and 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 they have to be considered credible. And I think he was considered credible by the jury. Patrick, I'll ask you again what we were talking about a moment ago. You know, what do you think we could see on the ground here in the Chicago area? Yeah, you know, I still, you know, as I said, my initial answer was it kind of depends what what the verdict is. Now we know it's not guilty on all counts, which I think would be the 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 verdict that would re- inspire the most sort of action in Chicago. I still, and again, we'll, we'll see what happens. I wouldn't predict massive action, massive protests in Chicago because of this. I'll say conversations I've had with people in Chicago, especially black and brown people in Chicago, is you know I was actually talking to to, to somebody just yesterday, interviewing somebody just yesterday talking about how, you know, he saw in the moments that, that Rittenhouse fired the gun that, that you could say that was self-defense, but that, and obviously the jury thought that it was self-defense, but that if you look at all the, the actions leading up to it, would the same sort of, uh, you know, um, would, would the same grace be given to a black, a young black man or, or a black kid who showed up to a, to a right-wing protest with a, with a big gun? Would you then say, well, we have to look at just his actions in this one moment? Uh, so I think that's the conversations that I've been hearing from people in Chicago is about is about, wow, if you if you switch the race of, of Kyle Rittenhouse, this probably goes a lot differently. But as a question of law on whether or not in the moment, you know, the questions that were put to the jury of whether or not in that moment uh, was he acting in self-defense, obviously, you know, they weren't looking at everything that he did. They were looking at, at the actual firing of the gun. And, and they obviously felt that he was, you know, in fear for his life, in fear for his safety when, when he shot. If you're just tuning in, this is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is our weekly news recap where we look back at the week that was and we dissect the top stories that you might have missed, but you probably should know about. Uh, We are talking with our panel. Sometimes columnist Laura Washington is with us, as well as WBEZ reporter Patrick Smith. And uh, the news of the day, Kyle Rittenhouse found not guilty on all charges uh, in the the, uh, trial where he was uh, out at the 2020 protest in Kenosha, Wisconsin. This was following the shooting of uh, Jacob Blake by an officer and uh, Kyle Rittenhouse shot three men, killed two, and was just found today after three and a half days of deliberation by a jewelry, uh, not guilty on all charges. Laura, what do you think is the future now for Kyle Rittenhouse? What does his future look like? Well, it certainly looks. It looks like he will be. I'm, I'm sure he, he will be released from. You know, he will be released immediately. He'll be free to go back to his family. Uh, as you know, he's been a cause celeb nationally um, with many people who people who are pro law enforcement, pro law and order. They feel that he that he was a hero, and that and they and they believed his argument that he was there to protect property, to protect um, folks from rioters. So you will see him be played up, I think, by folks that that, or, that feel that he he was the victim of what, what we call wokeness in this country now, that he was that, that, that he was the innocent victim of that. They will play this up as, as, and make him a hero. 
uh, millions of dollars, I believe millions of dollars, were raised uh, in, mm-hmm. in, you know, on behalf of his defense to help defend him. So you know, I, I think I think the future is bright for him, both as a, you know individually and, and as someone who, who will be a national spokesperson for for the issues that he cares about. Yeah, he's so young. He was seventeen then, eighteen yeah. now. Uh, how much did that you think play into to all of this, Patrick? Well, I think that probably one of the main ways it played into it was was him testifying and that emotional, uh, you know, you know that emotional display, him crying on the stand. As Laura talked about, there were some people like sort of from the outside who felt that that might have been an act, and maybe it was. And obviously, I don't know what the jury felt, but but I think a young person, you know, I mean, I know eighteen is a young adult, but 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 you know, basically a kid up on the stand crying like that. I mean, really, you know really ugly crying up on the stand. I could see that having a real impact on the jurors. And, and maybe if you have a, a young person, it makes it easier to think of them as being afraid and, and acting in fear for their life and being vulnerable at the moment. I am interested to what Laura was talking about, of, you know, him being a cause celeb for, for, for the right wing before his trial. I, I'm curious, you know, there were, it seemed that he was leaning into that before his trial, which which made sense. It helped him raise money for his defense. Um, I, I'll be curious to see if he sort of embraces his role, which I'm sure he will continue to have as as sort of a hero for certain people in the country. If he if he embraces that and becomes a kind of media figure, which I think that that route will be open to him now, um, or if he if if he tries to put this behind him and and you know uh, you know go back to living a, a normal life, which presumably if he doesn't sort of embrace that the, this will more or less go away within you know i don't know how long and i'm not saying this experience won't stay with him forever but but i'll be curious to see if he leans into being a political figure because of this or not i think i, I what i'm going to be watching for almost immediately is who who we hear from uh you know public leaders high profile leaders everyone from former president Donald trump on down who speaks up and on his behalf and says this is you know justice has been served uh, he's a great guy, and and we embrace him because that will, you know, if you are we going to hear from the Proud Boys? Are we going to hear from some of the other very conservative right wing folks that are out there that have been supporting him all along? And so that kind of messaging, I think, is going to be important. And I'm sure he's going to be, you know, the the, the, the talk shows are going to be dying to have him. How is he going to present himself? Mm-hmm. Is he going to present himself as this young innocent man who is just happy to to be able to move on, or is he going to espouse a political a political political perspective? And, and when's the book coming out? That's what I'm wondering. <laughs> it's, all, it's probably already with it. His agent is already probably uh, trotting it around. <laughs> you know, you, you've been following this so closely, Laura, uh, from the beginning. Did you see this coming, though? A not guilty was, on all counts? Well, I, you know, I, I will tell you, I was expecting a mixed verdict. I, w- I was expecting that they would... Uh, that it would probably be difficult for them. I thought it would be difficult for them to agree that he was that he was threatened in every situation, that he was justified in every situation, so that they would, you know, maybe go with one count or one instance, but not with the others. Um, but clearly, uh, the I mean, the, the jury deliberated for four days, and, and it's, like I said earlier, they obviously were very careful and very precise in terms of going over all the evidence. So, you know, you. As, as the legal experts will tell you, you have to trust the jury to do the right thing, and, and, and you don't want to try to second-guess the jury. So I, I guess I was wrong, and they were right. What's the, uh, what's the day the, the day after story on this, Patrick? 
Well, I mean, here in Chicago, it will be about about how did people react, and I, I'm, I, you know, one watching for protests, but then also, uh, you know, I'll be curious to, to see how how everyday Chicagoans are feeling about this. Like I said, I wasn't expecting, I'm not expecting mass protests, but people are following this. People anywhere I go reporting on other things, uh, people are are talking about this this case, and I, I'll be curious to hear how people are thinking about this uh, in our city. I think, you know, I think that there's going to be the kind of conversation that Patrick raised earlier, uh, you know, around race and, and, and how race matters in these cases and how uh, people of color are treated differently or perceived to be treated differently by the criminal justice system. There being a double standard, again, as he described to folks believing that if Kyle Wittenhouse had been black, there wouldn't have it would have been, uh, uh, it been a, it would have been the case would have been shut down a long time ago that african american defendants defendants of color do not have don't don't get the credibility don't get the benefit of the doubt that white defendants do and i, I think that's going to be the kind of kind of conversation that you're going to hear that this the system is still you know is still not even and not in that level for people of color this is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. You are listening to our weekly news recap. Before the break, we talked about uh, the top story of the week. That was the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse. Also in the middle of our conversation, we learned that Kyle Rittenhouse has been found not guilty on all five counts, all charges uh, in his uh, trial. With me to break down the stories of the week are WBEZ criminal justice reporter Patrick Smith and Chicago Sun-Times columnist and ABC7 political analyst, Laura Washington. Hey, Laura and Patrick. Hey, hey. Sasha. Lots happened. Very eventful recap this week, wouldn't you say? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but... Fun when you could be in the middle of breaking news. Absolutely. I planned it this way. <laughs> yes. Uh, now, uh, also with us, I, I believe we have Andrea Lyon with us as well, criminal defense lawyer. Hey, Andrea. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Hi, everybody. So, Hi, Andrea. so let, let's let's start with you, Andrea. Uh, um, and I know you're short for time, Laura. So I'll make sure we we get back to you before you've got to hit your deadline. Uh, but your thoughts as a criminal defense lawyer, l- lay it on us. Give us the legal the legalese here. Well, I don't know whether there's legalese. It is a surprising verdict uh, in the sense that. Um, so many people were hurt and injured, and uh, none of the charges uh, were. Did they feel that it found beyond a reasonable doubt? Um, and uh, and the self-defense claims, despite four shots in one of the victims, uh, seem to be enough. Um, it is unusual for a jury to be out this long and uh, acquit on everything, but not unheard of. It does happen. Um, and it seems like some people must have been struggling with whether to convict him on something or not, or perhaps there were some holdouts. Um, it's hard to tell. It, what what strikes me as a criminal defense lawyer who is generally standing next to people of no uh, uh, considered not important, that is, people of color and poor people in the city of Chicago, what strikes me is that this, if, if Kyle Rittenhouse had been black, he'd be under the jail somewhere. He just would be. Um, they, they would not accord him the, the, the presumption of innocence because that's just how things are in our country, unfortunately. Um, it is shocking uh, in many ways, this this verdict, um, and unsurprising in many others, given uh, the political divide and the nature of the jury. Well, Laura, I want your reaction to what uh, Andrea just said. You know, and I'm also looking at 
tweets. I'm looking all over social media. I'm seeing a lot of folks saying, you know, the system is rigged. This is proof that the system is rigged. Uh, People making comparisons. They're saying, you know, Trayvon Martin, 17 years old, killed no one, murdered by a man that was hell-bent on being a vigilante. And Kyle Rittenhouse, 17 years old, killed two people trying to be a vigilante, found not guilty. And they're saying this is America. Sure, and, that, and that's exactly what, what the, Andrea described so well. You know, I'm, I'm very curious to find out more about this jury. As I understand, the jury was predominantly white. There may have only been one person of color on the jury, and I think juries do matter, and I think that the demographics of them do matter, which is one reason why there's so much uh, work and time and strategy put, in, put into jury selection. And, and if the jury had been composed differently, you might have seen a different outcome. There's a, There's... Again, as I mentioned earlier, there's a there, white defendants are given the benefit of the doubt and given a level of credibility that black defendants or other defendants of color are just never offered. And I think that that may have been what happened in this case. That this jury related to Kyle Rittenhouse. He was one of them. They felt comfortable with who he was, and and, and when they put themselves in his place, they believed him. And it, it's it's a harder thing for a white jury to do when it, when the defendant is black and or maybe poor, as Andrea described, someone who they don't relate to and, and who is not part of their community, so to speak. Laura Washington is a Sun-Times columnist. Laura, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. We've still got WBEZ's Patrick Smith with us and Andrea Lyon, a criminal defense attorney and, and former public defender. Um, Andrea, talk to us more about what's what's going through your mind here. I know it's 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 only been a matter of minutes, uh, believe it or not, and, and I know you're probably still processing this. Well, I, I am still processing it. It it, it is um, just uh, a manifestation of a lot of the things that are just going on in our country as a general matter of the um, you know the this political divide. It, it it's surprising to me, for example, that. The federal government didn't charge Rittenhouse's mother with a gun charge for bringing him across state lines with a, you know, with a, a right. weapon that could be used in mass destruction. It's surprising to me that uh, that, that uh, the gun charge uh, was dismissed. Although I, I'm not familiar, I understand the statute is confusing, and perhaps that's the reason. But it it is it is surprising to me, and it's. I feel a little uncomfortable because, you know, I'm a criminal defense lawyer, and uh, generally speaking, we criminal defense lawyers celebrate acquittals. But Why are you not? Feel that way. Uh, it's hard to feel that way because I am usually representing someone who is not accorded the kind of, of respect that this young man was accorded uh, in, in Kenosha. Um, it's just – and it's – it emphasizes for me just how racially skewed uh, everything is in our country right now. Um, I'm, and I shouldn't say right now. It's always been like that. We just have times where it's more silent. Yeah. I, I'm i curious, Andrea, um, you know, ha- having covered a few trials uh, myself, I found some of the judge, some of the judge's demeanor and the way he acted, not like completely shocking, but, but a bit out of the ordinary. It I was. wonder having been in a lot more trials yourself, what did you think of, of, of the way the judge acquitted himself? You know, there's been a lot of criticism of him and I, I wonder if that criticism is fair or what you, what you think. 
Well, um, you know, generally speaking, that's the other experience that, that, that most of us representing people charged with crimes have, which is that the judge is generally helping the prosecution if, if he or she is helping anybody, not the defense. And here it appears, and again, uh, you know, I'm looking from the outside, but it appears as though the judge was definitely batting for the defense and was angry, visibly angry, and tearing down the prosecution quite a bit. Usually I'm at the other end of that, uh, you know, for having the temerity to go to trial in the first place. Um, and so uh, it may have had an effect on the jury. It may have been a signal or they may have interpreted it as a signal that this is how they're going to vote. They ought to vote or that's what the judge thinks. And juries do look up to judges a great deal. So if I have a judge who's making faces at me when I'm you know, getting up to cross-examine or something like that, I... I worry about it because I worry that the jury is going to interpret that as a reason not to listen to the questions and answers that I'm eliciting. You know, I wonder what you think as far as the evidence or maybe a particular testimony. um, What worked in Rittenhouse's favor, Andrea? Well, what worked is the admission by the uh, attempt victim, the surviving um, victim, that he, you know, basically admitting that there wasn't there were self-defense involved. I think that helped a great deal. Um, It also helped that uh, they were not allowed to refer to the people that were dead as victims or and um, and had to call them rioters or looters. Um, You know, that's what the judge said, which is very surprising. Um, I cannot tell you how many times I've made a motion that in a self-defense case where I've asked that the deceased person not be referred to as a victim until the jury makes a decision as to who, if anyone, is a victim here. And that never gets granted. So that's quite surprising as well. Um, It's very hard to know to what degree, what appeared, and again, I'm I'm looking from television and and I didn't watch the entire trial, Mm -hmm. but it it appears to me that that there were, you know, that the defense had an ally on the bench. Let me put it like that. Yeah. Interesting. Um, four days, though, or three and a half days for, for deliberation. Does that tell you anything? Or is that common? It, 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 it generally speaking, and this is this is, you know, there, there, there are exceptions to every rule, but generally speaking, a long deliberation generally means a compromise verdict. That is, that the, the, you know, some jurors are, are at one end, some are at the other end, some are in the middle, and they're looking for common ground. Um, it also may be that there were one or two people who wanted to convict him of something, and they had to get pressured into, um, into going along with the, with the rest of everyone else. It, it, it's impossible to tell from the outside. I've done a number of jury investigations when I'm looking at possible juror misconduct in a in collateral, uh, you know, post-conviction or habeas. And um, it is not unheard of for there to be a couple of holdouts, usually, of course, in my situations, a couple of holdouts who want to acquit, who just simply get, you know, pushed, emotionally pushed by other people into, into signing a guilty verdict. I, I even had somebody pull a gun in a jury room, believe it or not, um, wow. to get somebody to do that. Um, and uh, so, I mean, crazy things happen. So I, I'm not saying that that is what happened, but I would be unsurprised 
if there were two or three people who thought he should be convicted of something and they got, you know, worn down. Mm-hmm. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. If you're just joining us, we are discussing the verdict in the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse, which has just come down this hour. And that verdict is not guilty on all charges. A Kenosha jury reached the verdict just minutes ago in the case of Kyle Rittenhouse. They found the 18-year-old from Antioch, Illinois, not guilty in a shooting that killed two and injured another. Still with us is WBEZ criminal justice reporter Patrick Smith and criminal defense attorney Andrea Lyon. Uh, And joining us now is someone who's been watching this trial very closely. Uh, That's Clyde McLemore, who's the founder of the Lake County chapter of Black Lives Matter. Clyde, welcome to Reset. Hello, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing well, Clyde. Uh, We'll definitely come to you first here and uh, check in. Your reaction to the verdict? Right now, I'm, I'm really, I'm in tears right now. I'm on my way up to Kenosha to keep everybody calm. I don't want to see the town destroyed, but I know that people are going to come out there and they're going to protest and they're going to be upset. This was a a demonstration of white law against black law because we all know had Kyle Rittenhouse had been a young black man If he wouldn't have been killed just to stand trial, he would have been guilty on all counts. Clyde, uh, you know, I was taking a look at at social media here as as this is all, you know, coming down. It's all happening so quickly. I was seeing comments from Jacob Blake's uncle, Justin Blake, um, just standing on the front steps of the courthouse, which he had been almost every day, um, and and. A reporter asked him before this verdict was read um, minutes ago uh, how he's feeling. And he says, you know, Kyle's going to jail. I don't know for how long, but they're going to get him on something. Now I, I see that those same reporters are, are, of course, talking to him now that uh, Rittenhouse has been found not guilty on all counts. It makes me think of the Blake family, where this kind of all began. Well, this is what I'm this is what I'm saying. Kenosha, Wisconsin is a sundown town. Uh, we have nobody to run for mayor. Uh, we have nobody run for uh, state's attorney. We have the same people run this. Uh, uh, it's a sundown town. And what what is going on right now is demonstration to show America that racism is still out here. You know, uh, a lot, a lot of this has got to do with. I, I I I I really can't understand how he even got away with anything. A seventeen-year-old carrying a loaded gun. First of all, at five o'clock that evening on August twenty-fifth, I confronted Kyle Whitnouse, uh, Rittenhouse in front of uh, across the street from the school, right there in Wisconsin law. Uh, you can't have a, a loaded weapon in front of a school so many feet away from the school. He should have been charged for that, but they allow him to do it. I always said that Kyle Rittenhouse was deputized by that deputy yeah. to come there to that town, but nobody ever heard me say that or or paid attention to what I said. But he was deputized. Because anytime you shoot somebody, 
and then you go, uh, you shoot somebody, and then you walk and go all the way back to Antioch, Illinois, yeah. which is a 30, 20-30-minute drive from Kenosha. That right there lets you know that privilege was there. This is this is. Hmm. Hey, Patrick, the, the, the verdict, as we know, it's just come down moments ago. But have have we heard from the families of the victims yet? Yeah. You know, I, I, I saw some reporting that some of the families of the people who were shot are, were at the courthouse, uh, you know, hugging and crying. Uh, but but one one family that was not there, the, the, the parents of Anthony Huber, um, one of the two people who were killed by, by Kyle Rittenhouse, um, they did not attend the trial. They said they couldn't bear to sit in the courtroom and repeatedly watch videos of their of their son being killed. Um, but they said they watched the trial trial closely. And I'm looking at a statement from them here, where they obviously they say they're heartbroken and angry by the decision. They also say today's verdict means there is no accountability for the person who murdered our son. That the verdict sends the unacceptable message that armed civilians can show up in any town, incite violence, and then use the danger they have created. To justify shooting people in the street again, that that's part of the statement from from the parents of Anthony Huber, who was who was killed by Kyle Rittenhouse. They also said that that their fight to hold Rittenhouse uh, responsible is not over. They say they're going. Anthony is going to have his day in court. I'm I'm sure that that means uh, a civil lawsuit is coming where they they want to hold him at least financially responsible for the death of their son. That's what the, that's what they're saying. Their next steps are, but but expressing anger and, and sadness over, over the not guilty verdict today. Andrea, what do you foresee there for, for that next step? Um, I mean, I, you know, I would be unsurprised if they filed a civil lawsuit. Uh, you know, there's a, a, a lower standard of proof required in a civil case than there is in a criminal case. In a criminal case, they had once the defense of self-defense was raised, the prosecution had to rebut that beyond a reasonable doubt. In a in a civil case, the the jury need only make a decision that it's more likely than not that he was not acting in self defense and that it was in fact a homicide. And so, uh, they may in fact be more successful with a with a civil jury should it get that far. Um, so I would be unsurprised to hear that. And um, I'm, <laughs> I'm I've already uh, my computer is already blowing up with people getting angry at me for mentioning the issue uh, race. Uh, and suggesting that 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 race played any part in this, and um, really, I'm sorry what are they saying? Angry, but they're just wrong. Well, that I'm biased and unprofessional was one of the words, and that uh, I'm uh, something uh, something. I, it, it's unprintable. I can't say that part on the on gotcha. the radio. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, Andrea, uh, the self defense laws. You and I talked about that uh, when you came on the program before. Wisconsin self defense laws. Did they make it unlikely that the prosecution would get a conviction on on the major charges? The the self-defense law, it's an affirmative defense. And so basically what that means is you're saying, yes, but. Yes, I shot him, but I had a good reason, and my good reason was self-defense, okay? And so once you raise that, then then the burden shifts to the prosecution, and they have to show not only that you shot him, but that when you did so, you were not acting in self-defense, and that requires a, a human uh, evaluation of the motivations of the person who did the shooting, of the of the behavior of the person who got shot, 
and it requires the state to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that that what the defense is claiming is untrue and mm-hmm. that can be uh be difficult uh for for prosecutors um it but a lot has to do with how the jury feels about those who died and who's standing trial yeah well uh our thanks to wbez criminal justice reporter patrick smith who's going to leave us now um we are, however, going to be joined by Stacey St. Clair, a Chicago Tribune reporter who's been following this uh, from the beginning. She's on the scene in Kenosha. Hi, Stacey. Welcome to Reset. Hi, thanks for having me. What is it looking like there? So it's looking a little bit like, I stepped in, you know, inside, so I'm not outside this exact moment, but it's looking a little bit like... Uh, you know, it's been for the past couple of days with about as many or more journalists to, to protesters and people mostly speaking calmly um, to reporters <laughs> uh, and amongst themselves. So uh, were you able to talk at all to uh, family of Jacob Blake or family of uh, any of the, the victims of Rittenhouse? Um, I have heard from uh, the parents of Anthony Huber, who was uh, fatally shot that night. He on the video. He's the second man who is um, shot by Kyle Rittenhouse, and the family said that his parents said that uh, this verdict cannot be what we have become as a society. That they um, want everyone to sort of stand together. That we don't become a, a community that just allows teenagers to take to take assault rifles into the community and impose their own sense of justice. I'm just seeing now a a statement from the family of Anthony Huber. It says, uh, today's verdict means there is no accountability for the person who murdered our son. It sends the unacceptable message that armed civilians can show up in any town, incite violence, and then use the danger they have created to justify shooting people in the street. Your reaction to that? Well, I think that's been the prosecution's case all along, is that um, Kyle Rittenhouse provoked the situation, he heightened the danger, and that somebody with more experience with a gun wouldn't have shot, as evidenced by the fact that none of the people he was with who were armed shot anyone that night. And let's uh, remind listeners here, Stacey, that uh, the verdict in this uh, Kyle Rittenhouse Homicide trial was not guilty on all counts. Tell us what happened when that verdict was read. Uh, Kyle Rittenhouse um, began sobbing, started to sort of lose his ability to stand, is what it appeared like. He, he sat down after the, the fifth count was read, the fifth acquittal was read, and his uh, attorney just sort of started encouraging him to, to try to keep breathing and, and find a a normal breath pattern. Um, just a few feet away, uh, the families of Joseph Rosenbaum and Anthony Huber uh, wept. I, I think they always knew it was um, an uphill battle. And I think they're, you know, from what I, they've told me over the past couple of days, this is sort of their, their worst fear realized. Mm-hmm. What was the mood? I mean, it's been, it was three and a half days of, of deliberating for, for jurors. Uh, what was the mood like on on your end of things, right, from your perspective as as reporters just sort of waiting each day? 
Yeah, so, I mean, the way everyone plays, like, a lot of, like, tea leaves and, and um, the defense was actually getting very nervous. They spoke openly about it um, with me yesterday that um, his, his lead defense attorney, Mark Richards, had never had a jury be out longer than 18 hours. This jury deliberated for almost 26, and, and so they were, they were nervous. But I think once that jury came in and said they'd reached a verdict on all counts, um, I, I think the defense felt like they were on um, strong footing, that that was a good sign for them. Yeah. And when they said that they'd reached a verdict on all counts, what were you thinking? Uh, I, I thought pretty much it was going to be, uh, I thought maybe there might be a compromise um, verdict in there, um, but I, I thought they, they probably had acquitted him on all five charges because the gun charge was thrown out. The gun charge, I think, which would have represented sort of the compromise charge, um, or many people thought would represent the, co- uh, the compromise charge, was, was thrown out mm-hmm. uh, minutes before the case went to the jury. Andrea, the, uh, the prosecution had the burden of proof in this case. Did you see any major missteps in the last two weeks? I mean, that's very hard to, hard to say. They, they, they certainly um, presented as complete a case from, you know, again, looking from the outside as, as, as they probably could have. Um, and, you know, one of the things that a lot of people thought is, well, now that we have video, there won't be questions about what happened. But as you can see from looking at the videos, they are subject to interpretation. They do have uh, some subjective uh, uh, analysis that occurs when you see them. It, and it, it really is, you know, a matter of perspective. Um, and uh, I think that uh, I, I don't think they missed anything. Um, I don't feel like they were prepared for the level of hostility that they got from the uh, from the bench, and it also was to me quite shocking that they that they uh, violated a, a United States Supreme Court uh, a precedent called Doyle versus Ohio, which does uh, says that you may not ever mention anyone. Um, asserting their right to remain silent when the police question them mm-hmm. uh, because people can draw a negative inference that you have something to hide, and they deliberately did that, which put them in the way of the judge's ire and not for no reason. Just uh, about a minute left here, Clyde. Following this decision, how do you want to see the Black Lives Matter movement respond? Well, that's why I'm headed to Kenosha. I'm just pulling up in Kenosha right now. And I'm here to demand that we keep it peaceful. I know that they're going to protest, and I know that I want them to keep it peaceful. I want their voices to be out. I know there's no more that we can do. However, I am personally getting ready to leave town. I'm not going to be here because they're looking for a scapegoat. And if if I'm in town, they're going to, you know, put me to it so i'm just going to yeah. talk to some leaders and then i'm i'm going to see jacob blake and then i'm headed out of here stay safe uh stacy uh, real quick what are you watching for as uh we continue to look at reaction to this i i'm gonna be well in the short term i'm gonna be watching for people antagonizing in each other and goading each other into um into the physical skirmishes there's there's been a few physical skirmishes since the liberations began. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, in, in the long term, I'm looking to the civil suits that 
the families of um, Anthony Hebert's family has filed and that Gage Grosskreutz has filed, mm-hmm. uh, which basically is holding local law enforcement uh, accountable for the actions that night. The lawsuits both alleged that they essentially deputized Kyle Rittenhouse. So yeah. I'll be looking to see how those uh, go forward. And we will probably check back in with you. That's Stacey St. Clair from the Chicago Tribune. Also Clyde McLemore, founder of the Lake County chapter of Black Lives Matter. And Andrea Lyon, criminal defense attorney. Thank you all. Thank you. Bye-bye. That's it for the weekly news recap. And if you want to dive deep into the stories behind the headlines, make sure you hit the subscribe button for this podcast. Then take a few seconds to give us a rating and a review. Doing that helps people find us. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thanks for listening and take care. Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.